Motors Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hello to you, the automotive faithful. I am Reverend Hatfield, and welcome to Driven Radio Show, where we bring you the gospel of internal combustion. Here with me in the Driven Radio Show pulpit is our engineer and co-host, Minister Mark Groves. Testify! We are coming to you from the Temple of All Things Automotive, the Driven Radio Show Studios. Hallelujah! Our special guests this week are Dave Kenny and Greg Ingold of Haggerty. Dave Kenny is a lifelong automobile enthusiast, collector, owner of automotive valuation firm U.S. Appraisal. He's an accredited senior appraiser with the American Society of Appraisers and contributor to British magazine Octane, the Haggerty Insider, publisher of the Haggerty Price Guide, and recently also writing for Magneto, and he's got a new podcast. Mr. Kenny, what's the name of your podcast? It's called No Reserve. Uh, for those of us who's dyslexic, it's No Reverse. But uh, I do it with uh, Larry Webster uh, at Haggerty at the Haggerty uh, uh, Podcast Hub, I guess. Uh, it's fun. We talk about old, uh, I mean, cars that are coming up for auction, cars that recently sold at auction. We're going to have to check that out. That sounds like a cool new podcast. Also, your partner in crime, uh, Mr. Greg Ingold. He's an avid car enthusiast, editor of the Haggerty Price Guide. He's been a member of the Haggerty Valuation Team since 2014. Greg and Dave, welcome back to Driven Radio. Hey, thanks. thanks. Thank you. Dave, you got some interesting pictures on Facebook there, mister. Looks like you had a lot of fun at the Audrain Concours. Uh, <laughs> you wore some really fantastic and startling threads. And you look like you found a rather zoftig painted dance partner at the uh, at the party there at Audrain. Tell us a little bit about your weekend. Uh, I know nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> what happens at Audrain stays at Audrain, darling. That's a mighty big bass <laughs> for a girl. <laughs> um, the uh, the theme for the uh, for the gala was uh, disco, and uh, it uh, there were a lot of uh, Studio Fifty Four references there. Let's just put it that way. So. Um, um uh it was a, it was a lot of fun um they had um uh guests who were there who were there to entertain the guests including a um a number of ladies on roller skates and uh this particular uh, uh robust lady yeah robust lady who, uh, I never never forgot her real uh, drag name but uh, I named her Chroma Deville. <laughs> of course you did. That girl looked like she that girl looked like she was a bit taller and a little broader than you are, sir, and you're not a small guy. But you were on fleek in that uh, shark skin houndstooth. Mm-hmm. It's like that was surf and turf and stylish. He looked like he was ready to sell you that Mopar you want. Oh dude, I'd, I'd have bought it. <laughs> Used Mopar, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> Lightly. yeah I, 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 we had some fun. There were some great outfits there. Uh, um, Mark Hyman probably won the night with his uh, uh, disco-influenced, uh, 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 you know, get-up, including uh, uh, goldfish in the high heels. I, I, from what I understand, they were not real goldfish, but uh, uh, it was definitely seventies with the uh, with the fro wig and the whole nine. So it was fun. It- a lot of fun. If you don't, if you've never been to Audrain, uh, you got to go. It's a really great, uh, really great concourse. Um, we had some uh, some issues with some rain on Saturday, and we had some issues with some wind on Sunday. Uh, but the team did an amazing job building a boardwalk from uh, 
they started at nine in the evening and finished at five in the morning, so all the cars could get on the uh, on the field without any problems. And it was just unbelievable what they did. It also looked like you got an opportunity to spend a little time with our own Amanda Gutierrez and some of the McPherson kids. Yeah, yeah, we had four um, uh, four judges there. We don't call them junior judges or associate judges. They're full-on judges. They're all Haggerty students. Uh, this time we had four guys. Uh, all of them had a great time. All of them uh, were were great judges. A real uh, you know real addition to the uh, to the force. And uh, we took a photo later on. I think there were probably close to thirty people there who had an Audrain connection. Uh, people like Paul Russell, who's on the advisory board, as I am. And lots of ex-students who are now working in, um, you know, in the car biz. Uh, and I know of two people who didn't even know about the photo. One had to leave a little early and the other didn't know. So there would have been at least two other people, probably four other people with a McPherson connection. So that's kind of cool. McPherson College, McPherson, Kansas. Uh, Mr. Ingold, not to leave you out, sales at Monterey this year were ro- robust, to say the least. Uh, what do you think about the state of the market? Do you think it's going to continue to weather uh, an increasingly rocky economy? What can we expect? Yeah, I, I think that uh, Monterey exceeded uh, everybody's uh, expectations. It uh, certainly broke all the sales records of uh, any year and was uh, at the $470 million mark. So, oh my uh, God. Was, wow. It's the actual number from uh, Rick Carey, who, uh, you know, uh, tracked all the after sales, was $494 million. In other words, just six tiny million short of a half, half a billion. Half a billion dollars in electric cars. Oh, yeah. my God. So, you know, Haggerty collects the stuff that's uh, like up to the day after the uh, mm-hmm. after the sale, and then uh, there were a number of after sales that were reported. And um, well, I mean, that's just astonishing money. Apparently, twenty six million in after sales—that's nothing to sneeze at. No, no, no. no, no. no that's a, that's a lot of Toyota Priuses they must have found. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> Absolutely, or, or Bugattis with uh, carry with luggage carriers on the on the top there. Roof uh, <laughs> <laughs> rack, still my famous <laughs> photo. Still my favorite photo of the year. I think it, it beats me in uh, Chroma Deville. But just it does. <laughs> so. What were the surprises to come out of Monterey? I know there was lots of big number stuff, and we discussed this months ago. Uh, did all of the Mercedes 500 and 540K sell? You know, that's really funny. Uh, there were 12 of them and 10 of them sold, and there might have even been one of them in after sale. I haven't been able to track that down. I am really, really, really surprised, but I'm happy surprised. I, I have to eat my words. I didn't think there was any way they could get uh, 10 of those cars sold and um and they did i mean you know it's uh, uh there was one uh, broad era had one um gooding had one and the rest were at rm and uh, and they sold and sold and sold so i didn't think the market could could uh, take quite that many at once but i was wrong again that is unbelievable i that i was wrong yeah i agree with that <laughs> <laughs> So what were your favorite lots or your favorite sales to come out of Monterey? What uh, what really raised your eyebrows? Yeah, Greg, you take that. Well, for, for me, the, the one that raised my eyebrows was that uh, Ferrari F50 that was at uh, Broad Arrow Auctions. That, uh, that car was not bad at all, but it didn't uh, quite have the... Uh, 
the uh, name associated with it, like the uh, Mike Tyson car over at Gooding and Company, but uh, it blew all the expectations out of the water and uh, even beat out the price in that Mike Tyson car. And it really shows that uh, 90s supercars are they're the big hot ticket right now. And there were also some uh, F40 sales that uh, caused us to uh, reassess the values pretty seriously once we left Monterey. What was the final sale on the Broad Arrow F50? I'll have to look that one up, but it was... Yeah, while, he, while he's looking it up, uh, I, did you know that one one time years ago I met uh, Michael Jackson, uh, Mike Tyson, and Mickey Mouse on a street corner? Mm, okay. Okay. I'll, I'll bite. No. It was, it was a quick conversation. Hi, Mike. Hi, Michael. Hi, Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> $5.175 million. For sweet Jesus! <laughs> that is an insane <laughs> amount of money for for that car. I'm sorry, I missed you over Mickey. Did you say five-something? 5.175. Good. Yeah, a God, lot of money. God, that's a lot of and money. It was, not, it was not a new-in-the-wrapper car either. It, uh, it was a good car, but it was not a new-in-the-wrapper car. Really big sale. That's just unbelievable money. So... The new quarterly issue of the Paggerty Price Guide just dropped. Yeah. And as always, we're going to want to know what were the big movers, what were the winners, what were the losers, what was surprising. We still are in a hot market. And the one that really uh, surprised me, kind of came out of nowhere, was the the mid-90s through late-90s Mitsubishi Eclipse uh, that that gained 50% in value. I can't even remember the the last time I saw one. Uh, Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but they are all been shipped back to uh, japan and are now coming as uh, cans of Sapporo beer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i thought that tasted familiar <laughs> oh my god that mm, little it's thing? got a little hint of rust in it i think yeah I, yeah i honestly no, can't remember no, the that... last time i saw an eclipse i thought they'd all just been hammered to death like old irocs well, yeah, I mean, that, that was, for me, when I was in high school, that was the car to have. It was what uh, kids these days, uh, they desire a Subaru WRX or an Audi S4. That was you know, the hot turbo car of the time. And uh, honestly, I think it's uh, it's guys my age in their 30s that are looking at those going like, Man, I really wanted one in high school. Mom and dad wouldn't let me have one because they had a turbo and was uh, too quick. And, uh, you know, a really nice one pops up someplace like Brand Trailer or Cars and Bids, and uh, you're just going to pay what it takes. Are they fairly, are they affordable? What are those going for right now? No, they're they're still fairly affordable. I mean, the the top end is uh, in the $40,000 range, which, (gasps) granted, you know, these, uh, if you were to say that about an eclipse a few years ago, that uh, you you would have laughed me out of the room. But, you know, you could pick up a a driver in the low teens still. And and I'm talking about the turbo all-wheel drive model. I like the uh, Mitsubishi 400. That's my favorite model. Are you familiar with that, Brent? Uh, No, sir, I am not. The 400 is the credit score you need to get it. (laughs) (laughs) I think I may have been familiar with that at one time. You are chock full of wrong tonight, and I like you. (laughs) Greg said those came out when he was in high school. I was looking at this thinking, hey, I was already married and barreling headlong toward divorce when these things were out. (laughs) 
Wow. Yeah, I uh, I won't even tell you how old I was, but uh, let's say it was more <laughs> more than that. I know um, when you went yeah. to college here, Mister, you had hair. Oh yeah, yeah, you've seen those photos, huh? Yes, I have. You had a lot of hair. <laughs> you looked. Yes, rather, I did. You you uh, were rather her suit. So yes. uh, Mitsubishi Eclipse fifty percent. That's amazing. Uh, what comes in after that? Fox Buddy Celine Mustangs at 40%. Yeah. No. Still a big yeah. mover, uh, you know, real big mover. Um, the um, I think there's a surprise, though, on the downside we should talk about. Ford Broncos. Yeah. Yeah, Ford Broncos are finally, I, I think they've finally reached their, their peak. I mean, we've been talking for years about how the Ford Bronco has been the big vehicle in the, in the market and, you know, tough to beat as far as market hotness and the 78 79s went down by uh about eight percent uh first gens went down by about seven percent which still isn't anything to be worried about but this is really the first time we're talking about broncos losing value period well they i think i have a theory that a lot of uh, a lot of lesser cars have come on the market and that's the reason why so it's not that uh, not so much that they're going down in value it's just that they're so many of them that have, uh, you know, the, the really, really nice ones were out there for a long period of time. I think we're seeing some, you know, kind of halfway restorations on them um, that, that, you know, kind of a paint job, and that's about it. And I think that could be responsible. We'll see in the next couple months. Uh, I did actually at Audrain see uh, Gateway had a, uh, uh, had a car there. Yeah, that's and, a uh, different kind of first-gen Bronco. Seth does such an amazing job with those, mm. and they are they are very much bespoke. Yes, absolutely. And just beautiful craftsmanship. Um, you know, not going to say it was better than Ford built it, but it was better than Ford built it. Yeah. It was. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, a, you know, a really, really nice job. So I, just a reminder that there are Broncos out there that sell for many, many, many times what we expect. Um, those things are really, really expensive, but you can see where the uh, build quality is in there. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When Ford came out with them, it was a utility vehicle. It was something to mm-hmm. be used mm-hmm. on your farm or your acreage or whatever. And, uh, you know, when by the time Gateway gets done with them, you wouldn't dare. <laughs> no, no. That's, no really. that's not something you're taking off road. <laughs> no, no. No mud on my Gateway Bronco. But, uh-uh. uh, <laughs> anyhow, that's... Uh, Little off the off the subject matter, the Volvo 240, uh, mm-hmm. 81 to 93, the car that still has the box that it came in. Yeah, they're bo- uh, they're boxy, but they're good. Up 22 percent, uh, and I I could see that. Uh, you know, they got they got kind of cheap, and they um, uh, you know, there's a lot of appeal for people who you know grew up around that time. I mean, it was you know every NPR listening parent and uh, yeah. grandparent had one. Uh, Coexist bumper sticker on the choice, back. Uh, a very sensible choice, but uh, you know, not you know, not a hot rodder car by any stretch of the imagination. Unless you were Paul Newman, who dropped a you know, a, he did an LS swap, I think, on his, or was it a Ford? Now I don't remember. I think it was, uh, it was, think a, it was Windsor. Yeah, 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 yeah you're right. Church yeah. Windsor. So uh, yeah, I mean, there's there there was always a platform there for uh, having fun. So and the two forties, the only thing that could kill them was rust. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, They're just a hip car. I mean, it's it's a car that if you aren't into cars, you could look at that and go, you know, that's kind of neat. I think I could go for one of those. 
there's a guy running around town here who has LS swapped his and painted a giant Swedish flag on the hood. And uh, <laughs> you roll up next to him at a light and you listen and you think, ah, somebody's cheating. <laughs> you are not playing fair. And he'll leave the light in a smoky burnout, and you're thinking, well, that's not a stock 240. <laughs> On his way to uh, Ikea, right? Uh, probably. <laughs> he wants to buy crappy, disassembled furniture. Uh, right. Looks like the Grand Cherokees had a pretty good run-up this last quarter. Right? Yeah, those uh, those went up uh, quite a bit. Now, they're still... Again, like the Mitsubishis, they're still on the cheaper side, but 32% is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, you know, you're now going to look to pay in the 20s for for a pretty decent one. Uh, you know, they did have the model with the uh, 5.9 liter in it. Quite rare. You're going to pay a little bit more for that. But, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's one of those deals where the rising tide is uh, bringing all ships up. You know, if you can't afford a an 80s Cherokee or an 80s uh, Grand Cherokee, uh, you know, what are you going to go for? You know, the the ones from the 90s are, they're not bad vehicles. They're still well built. You can still get that uh, robust uh, four liter in it. Or if you want some extra power, you can get a V8 and you couldn't get that in the XJ. True, true. Uh, here's one that's surprising to me because I thought these were already fully priced. 67 to 70 Toyota 2000 GTs. Yeah, no kidding. You know, those cars have bounced around a bunch, though. Uh, they've gone up, they've gone down. Um, uh, you know, I've been following those for, you know, damn near 20 years. And they were, you know, they were a $600,000 car for a very, very long time, then became a million-dollar car and bounced around back and forth. So uh, we've seen a lot of movement in 2000 GTs. There aren't a hell of a lot of them in existence. No. No, there but, certainly aren't. Um, you know, built by Yamaha, quite a uh, quite a car. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, back when everyone said there'll never be anything, there'll never be a collectible Japanese car. And yes, kid, I do. Kids, I do remember when people said that. I didn't agree with it then, and I think I was proven right on that particular one. That was the only car that was ever pointed out as the you know the collectible Japanese car. Um, well, they were you know well you know, two forty Zs were driving by, you know, ad nauseum while they were saying it. But uh um yeah, they were a they were a breed apart, a very well built car. Um and like you said, not many of them out there. But the prices have kind of, you know, fluctuated a little bit. Yeah. Something that's come down that I find surprising and uh please come down more so I can afford it. Uh sixty eight to seventy two olds four four two W thirties yeah, we honestly the, that's that's one that I monitor pretty closely. I like these cars quite a bit. Uh, you know, that was uh, in earlier days that was my my Grail car, but uh, yeah, they just you know they seem to have softened a little bit. Uh, there was some perfectly good cars that came up for sale that just didn't perform like we expected, but they still sold. So um, it's. Uh, we're seeing that uh, buyers are willing to to uh, part with them for a little less than they than they were. So, and again, it, it's it's twelve percent. It's not a huge reduction, but um, we're watching to see if that's a, a broader trend in the market or if this is just uh, just kind of a cooling period before Scottsdale. You never know. Yeah, uh, a couple more examples of American Muscle 
first-gen Camaro Z28s, and 64 to 67 Pontiac GTOs, now at 8% and 7% respectively. Uh, any idea what happened there? You know, it's something we're watching to, just to make sure that it's not a trend. Uh, 7 and 8%, you know, doesn't mean a lot. Yeah. Uh, it does mean that they're getting a little bit more affordable. I don't think I'd worry about it if I owned a GTO. I don't think I'd worry about it if I owned a Z28. Uh, I, you know, I wouldn't worry about it anyway because the value of the car, you know, the the arithmetic is secondary to the enjoyment as far as that goes. But uh, um, it's, uh, you know, they've been strong for a long, long time, and I don't think it's unusual to see a, a little movement like this. What do you say, Greg? Well, and, and keep in mind that uh, these cars that we're talking about, the 442s, the GTOs, the Z28s, those all went up. 20 30 percent earlier this year so yeah. really they haven't even begun to fully negate their their gains from earlier this year i think they're just settling down at this point and the final yeah. car that shows uh, just a little bit of correction but i think probably is due for more uh 55 to 63 mercedes 190 sls yeah i think the pipeline is pretty full on those uh what happened was they were you know, at one price forever, and then uh, Wayne Carini sold one for something like $320,000, and every guy who had one sitting in the back of the shop that was the I'll get to it someday car became, wait a minute, I can restore this thing and sell it for three hundred and twenty, and I'm going to be, you know, sitting on top of the world. Well, what happened was, you know, they a couple of them went in the high 200s. I, I know at least, you know, I'm 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 not positive about the numbers because I didn't do the research here before I came on my bad, but you know then they kind of hung out at 280 and then they kind of hung out at 260, and the people who wanted them got them, and uh, again uh, you know the top quality uh, restorations that were done on these things were kind of few and far between, and yes. there was a lot more kind of uh, you know let's get it done because the auction's coming up restorations on a few of them that. You know, they'll never bring as much as that. Um, you know, they're not the little sister of the 300 SL. They were a competitor to the MGB. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that. It was cross-shopped along with the MGB. It is so much better built than all the other cars. But the problem with restoring a car that's better built is it's more expensive to restore. Parts are more expensive, and they're not, they're not you know, out there by, you know, going to a website or calling an 800 number like a lot of the you know parts for an mgb would be so yeah i remember running into two or three of those at barrett jackson las vegas uh that were fairly clean drivers but if you started to look at them a little bit more more closely uh, they fell down a little bit and seeing those as being a six-figure car in the twos somewhere you're thinking, you can't be serious. That can't possibly be serious. And I think a lot of people did think it was the younger sibling uh, to the 300. They were getting a, a baby version of it. And they didn't realize that that's not really what that car was. No, no. I mean, they're nice cars. There's nothing wrong with them. They're a good car to own. They're a wonderful, uh, you know, uh, boulevard deer. People rally them as well. Um you know, they uh, a lot of them came with uh, hardtop. Some of them didn't. The later ones, uh, the hardtop was a little more complicated than the earlier ones, and so I, I guess the those hardtops are worth more money. But a nice car. There's nothing wrong with them. But boy, I'd do the research on them before I bought them. That's sure. for sure. 
Are there still bargains out there? And has anything really surprised either of you, good or bad? Well, I did, you know, witness the sale of the $22 million uh, uh, Ferrari at, uh, at RM Sotheby's. So it was fun to watch because the, uh, the buyer uh, was a guy named Dana Meekum. So uh, really? you, had, you had Rob Myers talking directly to Dana Meekum uh, while, the, while the sale was going on. That was fun to see, um, you know, that they were just out there and out front about it. So I don't know what Dana's going to do with it, add it to his collection, or whether he thinks it's uh, he's got a customer for it or will sell it. But uh, uh, you know, God bless America. Two two auction company heads basically going against each other. That was a fun thing to see. I so I enjoyed that. You know, was sitting in the audience watching that was fun. Any bargains? Anything out there, Greg? What would you put your money in? Honestly, I'm. I- if I was spending my own money, I think I'd put it back in my wallet for the time being. I, I think that there's still some steam in the market. And uh, right now, you know, it's a better time to sell than it is to buy, unless you're smart about the way you buy. Um, you know, there are still bargains out there if you're willing to hunt. They're just not falling out of trees right now. And you just, honestly, it's it's still a case of buy what you love and wait for the right car and wait for the price you're willing to pay. But um at this point, I'm, I'm not seeing anything going for way less money than it has any right to. Uh, I, I think that uh, all eyes are on collector cars right now, so it's uh, more an exercise of being intelligent with how you spend than uh, you know just stumbling on something. Mercedes AMG uh, GTs, yeah. 17, 19. I still think there's a, a room left in them for a long-term investment, not, not something to buy and flip. Um, for me, I like the wild colors. I like the, uh, Kermit and the blender green and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, you know, I'd stay away from white ones. I'd stay away from silver ones like the plague, but that's just me. More people like silver. So I, I still think there's a lot of room in a lot of those, uh, you know, later AMGs of almost all stripes. Um, you know, could it be the last of the Mercedes internal combustion engineered? I mean, internal combustion engine cars. I don't think so, but uh, you know, things will change, and so it's probably not a bad time to buy them. Mercedes came back out not long ago saying that they were going to uh, uh, restart production on the G wagons, and I understand a lot of dealerships have some uh, some rather amazing hoops they want you to jump through before you can buy one. Uh, electric G wagons? Is no, that no, what I... no. Uh, they've come back out and uh, started making the AMG 63s again. And really? uh, saw one posting online from a dealership that said you had to be trading in a G wagon. You had to promise to buy another G wagon after this G wagon. Oh, wow. Uh, you had to put down so much money, and I think it was north of 25 grand, and you weren't guaranteed to get the G wagon when it came in. Lots of really interesting hoops that they wanted you to jump through in order to get uh, one of this very limited allocation that was coming. Yeah, I think I just buy used. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I believe I might, too. All right, it's fall, guys. What are you looking forward to coming up? What sales and events are you uh, targeting? Well, Hershey's going on right now. I won't be able to go um, because I've got too many other commitments, and that's kind of sad. Uh, it is raining, so, I mean, you know, that, that means it's officially Hershey week. Yep. Um, <laughs> I've got a couple of – I'm actually going to Ireland for uh, for 10 days here. Ireland? Starting. 
yeah, starting in a few days and uh, um, just did, you know, to relax, not any car related things. Uh, um, so um, that's, that's kind of on my mind and I'm not thinking about the next thing. I do have a couple of dates at Garage and Social for Haggerty uh, at the end of the month in uh, uh, Seattle and then uh, just a few days later in Toronto on November 4th. So that'll be fun. Uh, we give a you know little dog and pony to- pony show talk with slides and uh, you know uh, free food. So if you're in the neighborhood, call your local garage and social and see if I'm going to be there. Fantastic. That's about it, Mr. Engold. Are you traveling or where are you headed? Well, my uh, my travel kind of winds down this uh, this time of year as far as uh, stuff for Haggerty. Um, I'm just going to enjoy the season. The trees are turning colors. Uh, there's plenty of opportunities to go on uh, fall cruises and uh, collector cars, so I'm going to take full advantage of that before i got to put the, uh, the fun car away for the season, which uh, in northern Michigan, that's probably about another month. And what is the fun car? What replaced your Grand Prix? Well, I, uh, I bought an, a low-ish mile stock, 08 Civic Si. Oh, cool! Year. Yeah, I'm having a riot with that thing. Um, funny enough, that you mentioned the Grand Prix. I noticed that it is on the docket for Mecham Chicago. The uh, the buyer of it uh, last year decided to take it to Mecham, so I'm very curious to see how it does. Wish it. It's got the plaque in on the dash that says "Formerly the property of Greg Engold." So. You know, it's worth that, at least a half million, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! I didn't know that your uh, your previous ownership rated so high. I'll uh, have to. You know, it, it's it. You know, it's 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 worth you know at least a thousand percent increase. Uh, I didn't see it on the uh, I didn't see it on the car card information, but I, I'm sure once uh, once the Mecums realize the uh, the provenance, it'll uh, it'll have quite the estimate. Well, it's in a one off because he spelt his own name wrong too. So there you go. <laughs> Collector. Well, I am dyslexic. <laughs> oh shit! Oh man! Now I feel bad. <laughs> Jeez, Gerg. <laughs> Sorry, that was not right way, either. <laughs> way to go, Mark. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you for being with us as always. We have been speaking to Dave Kenny and Greg Engold of Haggerty. You can find all of the social media links for Dave, Greg, and Haggerty on drivenradioshow.com. Gentlemen, as always, thank you for being yes. with us. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio Show. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners, and that's absolutely true. Amen. Uh, you can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and listen everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I am Brett Hatfield for Mr. Mark Groves. Yo! Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio.